Welcome to the Love Lab podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single or couple, this is the show for you because, well, sex matters. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy. All right. Welcome back to the Love Lab podcast. This is episode 82 and it is titled How Hormones Affect Your Relationship and What You Can Do About It. Okay. So this is going to be a very interesting episode. This is something that comes up a lot in the work that we do. It's also something that we've been reading and studying about a lot over the years also. Now, before we jump into that, I do want to state we are not uh, experts in hormones. We're not doctors. We're not PhD scientists studying this in the lab. So, you know, Take some of it with a grain of salt, because what we're going to do is we're going to present to you information from people who are professionals, who do study this for a living. And then we're going to tell you what our own observations are, both with ourselves and with clients that we work with. And then you can kind of draw the conclusions for yourself. So we're going to have some really great information. We've got a lot of notes to share with you. And it'll still be only scratching the surface of this topic because it's deep. (laughs) Yeah, when we were preparing it, I was like, I don't know, I think we need like three episodes or like a whole class. I mean, there is so much, so much. And, and when you start on the road to balancing hormones, understanding hormones, there's a lot of little tweaks and changes. And when you do it naturally, it's something that takes a little bit of time. So also know that this is not a quick fix solution. But what this will help you with is to understand a little bit more of the behavior. So today we're going to focus a little bit more on the female side and female hormones, but please note that hormones are um, happening in both male and female and that while they are different in what's happening and which ones are really playing in like the levels of them most likely is what's different because a lot of hormones are similar, um, it still affects both. and. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about that because I have a great quote to uh, to read from a uh, UCLA PhD who studies this and, and, and her take on exactly what you just said. So we'll, we'll get into that. All right. Well, um, let's give a shout out to our sponsor and then let's get started. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right. Do you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed? Then if you said yes, check out Power and Mastery. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. You can find all about it at powerandmastery.com. So go to powerandmastery.com to find out about the courses there. Okay, so before we really dive right into all this hormone stuff, uh, everybody's heard of hormones. Everybody basically has some understanding of what they are. But just so that we're 100% clear on what hormones are, I just wanted to read to you the dictionary definition of what is a hormone. (laughs) So hormones are a class of signaling molecules that exist in all multicelled organisms and in humans include commonly known examples like melatonin, testosterone, and cortisol. Obviously, that's a very short list because there's a whole bunch more. (laughs) So hormones are silent drivers of behavior and personality. That's key. Remember that because this is a lot of what we're going to be talking about. So hormones are silent drivers of behavior and personality, and their molecular fingerprints are on everything from attraction to appetite, basically all of our behaviors. 
Decades of biological and psychological research have found that certain hormones are associated with specific traits and behaviors. But in reality, the human endocrine system is so complex that the same chemical may behave radically different from person to person. Okay, so, and I believe I got that, I forgot to write it down, I got that from Psychology Today, so that's, that's their explanation of what hormones are. But the point I wanted to really make by bringing that up, one is, you know, the, the first bit is, you know, tells you what a hormone is, but the second bit is, I don't think a lot of people think so much about how much of their behavior and the things they do on a regular basis, day to day, are actually not their own choices and decisions, but dictated by their hormones. <laughs> and I think how appropriate, because I'm kind of grumpy today. <laughs> but I know I'm about to bleed, so I know what's happening right there in my body. <laughs> Well, and that's that's one of the keys, right? That's why we want to have this conversation mm-hmm. on the Love Lab today, because most people don't realize how much of their day-to-day behavior is actually driven by their hormones. And if they did, if they truly understood that, mm-hmm. then they might make different decisions. Oh, yeah. And, and so the whole point of the title is like, how do hormones affect your relationship? Well, what if... In your relationship, you understood that your wife was about to bleed in a day or so and that she's grumpy because the hormones are changing. Might you approach her differently knowing that than you would if you just thought, she's just a being a fucking bitch today. She's just <laughs> goddamn grumpy. And you know what? Fuck that. Like, <laughs> I'm right? Gonna, I'm going to mirror grumpiness back at her, which is absolutely not going to help. That's like the worst thing that you can do. And also for you, if you're the one knowing your cycle, it makes a lot of sense because then you don't take things personally. You're not blaming it on Mercury retrograde or the latest Facebook post because it really doesn't matter. Like it's something outside of yourself because really... It's all about your hormonal balance and your ecology within yourself. So I know that right now it's like shifting and changing. And it's like this moment before the bleeding where there's an explosion that needs to happen. So I take a few deep breaths. I increase my self-care. And that's how I can make it through the day without having any murders. (laughs) (laughs) The only blood should be the one in my panties at the end of the day. <laughs> well, for the most part, yes, that's true. <laughs> okay, so you started, Celine, to talk about the fact that we would be talking mostly about women's hormones. Yes. And that might uh, bother some people. That mm-hmm. Why are they only talking about women? Men have hormones too. Yes, that is absolutely true. And I put this, this I want to just read this short paragraph to you. This comes from... Um, a UCLA PhD evolutionary scientist named Marty Hazelton. She studies this in her lab. And she was asked in an interview uh, the question, you say that some people, including women, have pushed back against discussing the influence of hormones. Why is that? So when you start having these discussions about hormones and how they affect things, it instantly triggers some people and they're like, no, 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 it's not, it's not hormone. Blah, blah, blah. So here's her answer to that. She, she says, I get a strong sense that if you ascribe a woman's behavior to biology, people will automatically think that women are automatons driven by their hormones and unable to regulate their own behavior. That is false. 
There is a female stereotype whereby anytime a woman does something a little bit difficult to understand, then it is hormones that make women irrational. But nobody says that about men. For that reason, those who are concerned about women achieving equality with men worry that if we talk about women and hormones, then people will say such things as women shouldn't hold higher office and so on. That's silly because men have hormones too. And the last part, and this is kind of the key part for me when I read it, is our hormones don't make us crazy. They don't make us irrational. They nudge us. And to the extent that we understand what those hormonal nudges are, we can exploit them. And that's what I really wanted to talk about in this episode. It's understanding the nudges that we're getting from our biology enough that we can then, and exploit sounds like a bad word, but what it really means is learn how to work with them. Mm -hmm. Rather than fight against. Rather than fight against them. Exactly. Or go against the flow, which makes things harder. And so it's like, okay, accepting where you are and then listening, listening deeply to what the messages are. Because ultimately, I know if you remember our episodes, uh, your, um, your vagina is talking, are you listening? It's all the same. Anything from your body is always there to show you what your body needs ultimately little things little adjustments that you can make and so if you feel a little bit grumpy or tired it's because you need some downtime you need less responsibility and so creating your life and at least a space because maybe you do have a nine-to-five job and you have kids and you have responsibility we all do but at least create a window in your day where you have a half hour for that uh, unwinding to happen. You have, or, or like whatever it is, 20 minutes, half hour, an hour, like create those times for you to listen and act on what your body needs. Yeah. And at the end of this podcast, we'll, we will give you a list of things that you can do to help regulate your hormones. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get there towards the end. But first, let's just talk a little bit more about... Uh, the effects of hormones. And oh, and I wanted to just say one last thing too. We kind of already covered why we're talking primarily about women. But yes, men have hormones. Yes, men have fluctuation in hormones. There are studies that show that men's testosterone levels are higher first thing in the morning and they decline as the day goes on. So that can account for different changes in behavior. But they do tend, uh, just by the very nature of being men, to be a bit more stable and therefore, uh, that's why we talk about them less. This is just less fluctuations going on there. But I think also men need to understand what a woman goes through because, and, and we'll talk a lot about that too, is like, what can you do to help your wife, your girlfriend, your partner, like when she's going through, like once you understand that there's a pattern here, it makes things so much easier and you can become much more successful in supporting her and creating safety for her and in helping like with her sex drive, which in turn will make you feel so much more successful and will help to pump up your own testosterone level, which makes you feel like a and give you good energy and boners. Yes. So I want to talk about a study that, okay, the source is cosmopolitan. So, okay, let's, let's be real. It's, it's not the greatest source in the world. But in that study, they found that 57% of women prefer Facebook to sex. Yeah. So they, they did a, a poll, a right? A poll, and exactly. Where they asked people. And I thought that it was really scary. And I just had this conversation with a client of mine where she was explaining to me that she, it doesn't matter to her whether she's watching TV and snuggling or having sex with her boyfriend, it gives her the same. 
And as she was talking, I was thinking, well, I mean, it's really not the same. Like, as much as I love watching a movie and cuddling on the couch with Kevin, having sex with Kevin gives me a way different set of reactions in my body and feeling afterwards than after we watch a movie. Yeah, so what that tells us is is that that 57% is not having good sex. And also that 57% is hormonally imbalanced. And in this society, it's really easy because we are constantly bombarded with chemicals, with things that would havoc in our, in our hormones, in our bodies. And so we have to become extremely vigilant. One of the first places where we start to become out of balance and disconnected with our hormonal system is through um, contraception. And more specifically with the pill or any device that will give you hormones directly into your body. Because nowadays you can have patches or IUDs with hormones or anything that supplies hormones. And what most people don't realize is that... Basically, what it does is that it suppresses your body's natural cycle. It basically kind of tells your body like you're on a pregnant mode forever. (laughs) Um, And so that it doesn't get pregnant because it's already thinking it is pregnant and it's tricking everything. And so you're not going through the same uh, cycle and hormones that go in and out like in, in, in during a month time. Now, The pill um, has a lot of different side effects that a lot of women are very familiar about, like depression, blood clots, and weight gain. Uh, It lowers your sex drive. So many different things, you know. And one thing that people don't always realize, too, is that um, the type of pill that you're on can dictate whoever you're more likely to want to have sex with your partner or other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was something also that Marty, uh, the researcher I mentioned earlier, um, also talked about, which is that certain types of pills, because there's, there's different types of uh, pills out there. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine most women would be familiar with that. And um, depending on which one you are, it might make you more prone to do one or the other. So for instance, Marty says, in the U.S., the predominant formulation is the combined pill. That might put women more in an ostrich state whereby they are more interested in sexually attractive characteristics. So if their partners are not as sexually attractive as potential alternatives, they might look around a little bit more. Whereas women who are on more progesterone heavy formulations might be more in the extended sexuality mode. And so they are particularly interested in having sex with their partners. And then she says, why do we have sex when we are not fertile in the first place? Perhaps it's because it shores up investment from partners. So interestingly enough, right, whether or not you're more attracted to having sex with people other than your partner or your partner has a lot to do with the actual hormones going through your body in that moment. And obviously the different types of hormone formulations in the pill can influence that. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Now, something that most people don't know about is that also, the, the pill can um, really hinder your love life. And what it does is that it messes up with your sense of smell. And basically, it makes you more attracted uh, to people who are wrong for you romantically. And, of course, it can also suppress your sex drive. But that thing around 
the smell. Um, this has happened to a lot of people where they were married for many years or they were dating somebody and then they decided to uh, be off their birth control, whether because they wanted to get pregnant or they took their relationship to the next level and were just like, okay with that. And all of a sudden, the woman just doesn't feel the same attraction towards the partner. And I was reading this uh, story of this woman who said she had been married for 20 years and then um, um, I think, well, basically, probably like she she got off the pill and because and, she was going through, through menopause or anything. And she said, as soon as she got off the pill, she hated the way her husband smelled, like she could not stomach it. And then what she realized after that is she never had really good sex. And she kept thinking something was wrong with her because, you know, but what was happening, which in hindsight she figured out, is she was having sex with the wrong person. Once she stopped the pill and she was able to choose mates that were more aligned with where she was at and who she was, suddenly sex became much better. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting thing where some of the modern science and our own observations start to diverge a little bit. Because <laughs> according to Dr. Dr. Hazelton, Marty again, you know, she doesn't really believe that going on or off the pill would really influence your whether or not you're still attracted to your partner. However, we have personally seen it with friends and clients, and we have read numerous accounts from other people who say the opposite. So I don't think modern science is ready to admit this yet. <laughs> well, like a lot of things they're not ready to admit, <laughs> but that doesn't make it not true. So it, it has been our experience that that can happen. doesn't mean it's always going to happen. doesn't mean that if you're on the pill and you've been with this person all your life that if you go off, you're suddenly going to hate them. It doesn't mean that yeah. at all. But it does mean that that's possible. You know, another thing that um, they were talking about when we were researching this, uh, because you're talking about uh, the smell, mm -hmm. right? How the smells change based mm -hmm. on, on, you know, the being on the pill or, or not and how that affects your hormones. They were also saying that other things that affect your body smell can confuse your choices when it comes to uh, picking the right partner, too. Mm -hmm. So these hormones, um, you know... and like pheromones, Exactly, right? right. You've heard of pheromones, right? And so these pheromones are supposed to create certain desires in the opposite sex. But with all of the products that we use nowadays, you know, whether it's your body lotion, your shampoo, your soap, your makeup, your deodorant, <laughs> I mean, the list is like a mile long, your fabric softener, your laundry, your exactly. laundry detergent, mm -hmm. all of this stuff is actually covering over mm -hmm. your natural pheromones so that people can't smell them. And it's subconscious, you know, it's not like you're like, I smell your pheromones, but... <laughs> <laughs> but those signals that help you actually choose a partner that's right for you are being totally blocked out by all of this other stuff. And I want to say we're not 100% against the pill. We're not like trying to make the pill a bad thing here. But I have personally been in relationships with numerous women who were on the pill who had no idea that this kind of stuff was happening to them as a result. And it's not something that doctors who prescribe this really tell you. In fact, most of the time, if you have irregular periods and you go to the doctor, they just say, oh, we'll just put you on the pill. It'll get everything all regulated and we'll, out. And it will clear out your skin and you'll yeah. be good. Then when you want to get pregnant, you get off. We just put you on hormone control from like the day you 
like go through puberty until you're like no more bleeding. Yeah. And and I think what we really wanted to share in this show was just to make people aware Mm -hmm. that while some of those things are true, there are some unintended consequences as a result that are rarely ever talked about. Mm -hmm. And so make an informed decision. Well, like like whatever you choose, make it from a place of being empowered and knowing the side effects and what it does for you. And then that's really what matters. Okay. So this next part, uh, I'm going to lean heavily on you for, Celine, <laughs> which is, okay, so all of this talk about hormones and how they affect us. Mm-hmm. What we really want to get from this is we want to understand how the hormones work so that as, you know, Dr. Marty said, we can learn to exploit them. Mm -hmm. And all that simply means is, like I said earlier, we can learn how to work with them Mm -hmm. rather than fighting against them. And so what I thought would be really helpful would be if you could kind of lead us through the phases of a women's cycle, Mm -hmm. what the hormones are doing in those phases and how that might affect a relationship and, you know, like what the partners could do about that. Absolutely. I am super excited about this. I have to say that um, a lot of this information comes from John Gray, uh, the man who wrote way, way back the book from uh, Men's Are From Mars and, and Women Are From Venus. And he wrote another one on uh, Beyond Mars and Venus that was like a sequel 20 years later with like the new insights. So that's the new one. So yes. for those of you listening, we're not quoting 20-year-old research here. No. This is a new book written by John that has a lot more updated information. Yes, I think it was written in 2000. 2017 and it's spectacular. I'm loving it. And so a lot of this information comes from him. So I want to give credit where it's due. Um, and I also want to say that there was a whole book from Miranda Gray called The Optimized Woman that I found mm-hmm. many years ago that really helped me where she broke down the cycles day by day. And when I started doing that, it all started to make sense. All the different things that I would feel and experience. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. There is really something. So there are a lot of people out there that have done extensive research and have like studies and, and cases and like so many different things. And so we're drawing from all these different people plus our own, because again, this is a love lab. So we use ourselves as the guinea pig. So the first thing that I want to say is we're going to be talking here about a woman's monthly cycle. If you are going through menopause uh, or have gone to and are done with it, you're past menopause and you're no longer bleeding, you are still going to have some of these fluctuations happening. Uh, what you can do is to look at the moon as guidelines to give you the idea. That means that around the uh, full moon, this is kind of the ovulation time. So the five days around the full moon would be kind of like the ovulation time, while the new moon, the five days around the new moons are more like the bleeding time. And if you time this, then you can start to see these same patterns. So new moon would be for your bleeding and full moon for your ovulation if you're no longer bleeding to help you with feeling that. If you are still bleeding, go with your own uh, schedule, with your own body. So we're going to start with the bleeding time, right? The first five days of her periods. Most women have um, anywhere from like three to seven days. And I kind of feel effects in my body for about five or six days, even though I'm no longer bleeding or I'm just like spotting at the end. And this is really where your hormones are really low. And for a woman, when she's in that time, it's all about she needs some quiet time, she needs some self-nurturing, and she needs some bonding time with her partner. But also also like a no pressure. 
So what does that look like? As a guy, it's like, don't ask her to do many things. It's not the right time to ask her to give you a blowjob and a massage. It's the right time to give her a massage or tell her that she's beautiful or hold or, her. Or maybe like do the dishes, and yes. the extra dishes, you know, this time. Or maybe volunteer to, to either make dinner or go out and get something so she doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. And be here for her. Like, this is a vulnerable time. There's sometimes some weepiness, some emotions. Really don't take anything personally. Like, let her be and just know that she's doing a good job of clearing, cleansing. Like, it's releasing, well, th- there was no uh, baby that got conceived, so it's really Releasing the unfertilized egg and it's pushing all of the old out so that she can be like fully fresh again. So energetically, it's a lot of work to do that. So understand that for some women, and we have a whole episode on uh, what is period sex and why you should do it. And so we're not going to dive too much into that. Uh, there is a misconception though that it's not a time to have sex with a woman and all of this. It actually is not true. Bonding can be really good, but it's it's not a time to have like super hard bonding sex. It might be more into like heart connected tantric love making. No expectations. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also, this would be a good time for cuddling on the couch. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So these are the first five days of her periods. Now we're going to move to the second phase. So they're basically the following five days. So what happens in the body of a woman after she's done bleeding, then the hormone levels are sl- slowly rising, especially estrogen, okay? And this is a very interesting time in a woman because usually just after you're done bleeding, all your senses become really clear and you have a lot of energy again. And it's also a place where you feel very balanced in terms of your masculine and feminine side. Um, and there's like... There's a time where she needs to feel appreciated and admired for what she can do and accomplish. And something that's interesting, too, is if you hear that being admired and for things she can do and accomplish, it kind of sounds a little bit like a guy, right? kind of sounds a little bit masculine. And I think the danger here is to not go overly masculine. Um, and for me, this is really where it is. Like, And especially when I get close to the ovulation time, which will go in a second into the third phase, uh, because there is a rise in testosterone. And so there's this tendency of like, okay, you can do it all. You have a lot of energy. You finished bleeding. So what that time is really good. She's done bleeding. You want, as the partner, to connect with your woman. And so what John Gray says is that if you don't connect um, during that second phase as a couple and, you know, like this, this deep connection, your connection during the sex of, sorry, during the rest of her cycle will be less. So that's very interesting because you set yourself up for success as a guy. So right after she's done bleeding, that's when you want to connect, come on to her, flirt, plan maybe a, a, a date or a romantic time, even if it's for the next week, but like talk about that nurture, like that energy. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know that she needs a little bit more 
sort of downtime, alone time, self-care time during the bleeding week. Now we're in the second phase. This is the time to sort of reconnect in a, in a strong way. Mm-hmm. And that will set you up for success as you go. I love what you said about connecting in a strong way, because remember what I said that the, the danger here is not to overdo it as a woman. And so I think that if you step up as a guy, it will help her stay feminine. And not go too much towards the masculine where you guys are cockfighting, basically. Yeah, yeah, and that's a whole polarity thing. We've talked about it many times, Mm -hmm. and we probably should do yet another episode because it's like the number one problem we see with all of the couples we work with. But that's for another show. All right, so now we're getting to the third phase here, which is your relation phase. So... You know, about a relation, that's where she can she can conceive, basically. That's when you can create a human being. But that's a very important time, too, because anything can be created. It's not just human life. This is like a very fertile ground for anything. And so during a relation, her estrogen levels double, but so is her testosterone is at its peak. And so I know for me... It's really weird because we've been talking about that a lot and joking about it because in a sense I'm at my most fertile and feminine phase, right? Because I'm ripe, I'm fertile, I'm estrogen like loaded, but my testosterone also peaks and I kind of feel a lot like a dude. I want to get shit done and um, I also just kind of... I want to go get it. It's you, like... You want to fuck. Mm-hmm. That's, so here's the thing, right? So this is this is nature's uh, way of getting the job done, right? <laughs> so yes, you're technically at your most fertile where you could uh, conceive. Mm-hmm. And so rather than sitting back in a receptive mode and waiting for the right man to come, nature's giving you a kick in the ass and saying, get out there and get that cock you want. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So she wants connection. She wants romance. Like this is the time for it now remember if you're not trying to conceive this is like a you know be careful when you're doing this because everything is increased but this is also the time where she really wants sex generally Mm -hmm. the most and she's probably most open to like harder sex faster sex pounding sex like these are the moments where you i know you get into like she's you're like i couldn't get enough like Mm -hmm. you couldn't pound me hard enough Mm-hmm. That's that's the phase for that. It also happens just before I bleed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that, that fourth phase of the cycle, which is basically the last 12 to 14 days. Hey, by the way, guys, we like putting this as a 28-day cycle just because uh, that's kind of the standard. But know that it varies. Sometimes it would be 27 days, sometimes 32. Some women have way longer cycles. Again, we're talking about a average, and that's a 28-day cycle. But you have to adjust with where you are. Um, so those last days, that fourth phase, basically something really hap- like interesting is happening it's um her progesterone level is high Be- basically the progesterone comes in because it starts to prepare the lining of the uterus if there was a, a conception and pregnancy to make it grow thicker and make this great little house for baby to grow in right and so what happens in that time is that she wants social bonding so up until then she kind of wanted time with you 
Um, and now what's also very important is social time, especially time with girlfriends or going out for like art exhibitions or different things like that, like that's social bonding. Something that's very interesting about this is, do you remember when you were telling about the different type of pills that women would use? And if it was more progesterone um, loaded, they would have a tendency to want to have sex with people out. Isn't that interesting? Because progesterone does want you to connect with people outside. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is really cool because these are two different experts saying the same thing, by the way, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's like getting me really wet and excited. So that's the kind of thing that turns me on. Anyway, so what can you do there as a guy? It's kind of really important um, to just let her do her thing. And for you as a woman, it's your time to watch out. Don't give more than you receive. Because if you do so, you're going to start to build resentment. So for a lot of women, that's when they start to feel very cranky. And sometimes it's it's associated with PMSE because, hey, that's our, these, those are the days that leads to uh, bleeding. And so they're like, oh, I'm just uh, grumpy because I'm bleeding. But no, you're grumpy because you haven't paid attention to your body and to what it needs. And if you feel resentful, it's a sign that you need to back down and you need to do things that bring you pleasure and no longer pressure. And so that's also a good time for you to support her to go out with her girlfriend. That's a good time for you guys to go out together or, or things yeah, like that's, that. That's the, so, yes, obviously encouraging um, her to go out and do stuff with her girlfriends for sure. And also, it's a great time like you, you wanted to have uh, people over to do a movie night or a potluck mm. or a music jam or you wanted to go out to a concert mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Uh, those would be the appropriate times to, to do that. Now, you know, we know, of course, it's not always easy to plan in advance and know exactly when that it's going to be. But, you know, the idea is that, uh, well, well, we'll get into that right before we jump into uh, how we can, like what types of things we can do. Uh, so I'll just stop there and we'll get back to it. The one thing here, though, is that that's the la- the phase where, as a guy, there's not so much you can do to make her happy, which I know is kind of hard to wrap your head around because usually you want to make you want to make her happy, you want to be successful, and here it's more by taking a step back. But if you remind her to take time for herself, if you remind her, if you take the kids and be like, "Hey, go do your thing," this is how you can help her. Okay, and um, also just for the women. It's important to know that this is not a time where you depend on your partner. This is a time where you use inner source things for yourself. And this is the beautiful magic of this. This is when you do your breast massage, your JDAG, or your yoni steaming. All of these practices is like the perfect time for your pleasure practices. And by the way, if you're like, how do I do that? Uh, I don't know how to start. Uh, go to see my online courses because I've got you covered and I have courses for you that can take you through those pleasure practices and you can find them on my site. So one thing that... I want you to remember is that declining libido is not normal. Most people say it's normal, but it's kind of like a side effect of a imbalanced like lifestyle or it, it's or only life. normal because it has become normal yes. for most people to be out of balance. Yes, thank you Kevin. And so by keeping your hormones in place, in balance, you can keep your mojo and your fire stoked. So if you don't feel like you're really feeling it and stuff, it's simply because you are out of balance. 
And now we are going to show you and tell you things that you can do. And this is a really quick little ideas that we're giving you. We would need way longer to dive into each one of these, but it's to inspire you to start to take action. Yeah. And so what I started to say before now is the appropriate time to get there, which is that it's not always easy to know what phase of a cycle somebody's in. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we have observed from our own friends and again, clients is that you know, the, the client will tell you, oh, yeah, I just ovulated or I'm in this phase or I'm in that phase. And, and we know just by observing their behavior and listening to them, they're not actually in the phase that they're in, which means they're not actually aware of where they're at. Mm. The reason is, is because most women don't track it. They just kind of roughly guess here or there. And, you know, guessing and being off by a couple of days could mean you're in a completely different phase than you think you're in. My suggestion is... If you really want to be able to take advantage of knowing where you're at if you're a woman or where your partner's at if you're a man, is to track this. And there's lots of ways to do it. There's tons of apps. You can have it all on your phone, whatever. You know, just find a, a relatively accurate way. Now, if you're going to use it for birth control, find a very accurate way. <laughs> if you're going to use it just for tracking sort of where you're at so that you can make good decisions, then at least find a reasonably accurate method. It's kind of fun. And we have one that you can have access to that I've put on your phone. That's mine. And mm -hmm. so you can see my data and see exactly where it is. I take my temperature every day. I enter when I bleed. Um, so we, we use that for birth control. And it works very well when you do all three different things. Uh, and, and that would be a whole other episode that we're not going to get into. But yes, apps are easy. It's on your phone. It's like a no-brainer. So get an app and track it. And it might even be interesting for her if you if she doesn't really track well and you start to know her more than she does. It might be like, yeah. <laughs> really, are you trying to say that's what happens, Kevin? <laughs> Some, I don't think so. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes I'm like, oh, you're here. And you're like, no, I'm not. And then you'll look at, the, at your uh, app and you go, Shit, yes, I am. <laughs> I don't want to agree to this. That's that. <laughs> but, but it's only because I've gotten used to the patterns. And when I see a certain pattern, I go, oh, okay. I know where you're at. <laughs> <laughs> I also, by the way, uh, if anybody's listening who works for one of these companies that makes these apps, I have some great ideas for how to add some functionality to these apps that the men can utilize. So <laughs> I might pitch that one of these days. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the things that you can do uh, to help stabilize your hormones. So there's a woman called, um, a doctor called Sarah Gottfried, which I really love her. She's written lots of books. And one is uh, The Hormone Cure. Uh, she has one on brain and, uh, and, and uh, aging and stuff. I mean, I've read them all. They're fantastic. I recommend any of her books if you want to dive in more and in details. She has something that she calls The Seven Pillars of Health. And basically, when you break it down, is to eat well, <laughs> to move your body, to sleep, have good quality of sleep. Think, meaning like watch your brain, like rebalance your brain also and use your brain. Soothe, you know, soothing is reducing your stress. Connect. Connect is all about like social bonding, which we are becoming so bad at as humans. 
We are so connected online and so disconnected where it matters. And that actually will bring our, our hormones out of balance. And her number seven is detox. And because, like I said at the beginning, we have so many things in this world that is like chemically, like detoxing will help our bodies. So using those seven pillars of eating well, moving, good sleep, thinking, soothing, connecting and detoxing will help balance your hormones. Uh, we have a couple details there, right? Like, yeah. Do you have favorite things? Like, what do you do for reducing stress? What What works for you, Kevin? Okay, what works for me? Uh, one of the things that works really well for me is exercise, mm. moving. I, I'm super active and I need to be moving all the time. Um, and just going out and whether it's going for a mountain bike ride, doing some martial arts, just working out, whatever it is, just moving really, really helps. Mm-hmm. Sex also really helps. <laughs> Blowjobs really help. <laughs> All joking aside, for I don't know what it is, but like the second you start a blowjob, I feel like days of stress just melting off. <laughs> and it's not has nothing to do with ejaculating or relieving any pressure. It's just just the act of doing it, like stress melts off. Uh, some other things for me as a guy are. Just doing little projects. Mm. Um, you know, I, I like to work with my hands and like build stuff and all. So, you know, if I have a particularly stressful day, sometimes I just want to go in the garage for 30 minutes, 40 minutes and work on a, on a piece of a project. Mm-hmm. And that's massively de-stressing for mm-hmm. me. So things like also meditation, deep belly breathing, yoga, these things will help. You want to watch your eating habits and we don't we don't have time today to get into that. And we get way more in details too in our courses, um, Power Up Your Erections, where we help you with like what to eat and stuff. Um, but you want to maybe add some superfoods. There's things like maca that's really good for your hormones, ashwagandha that also will be very good for you, reducing your stress level for your brain and different things like this. One thing you want to consider when we talk about your hormone balance is your gut health. Most people's guts are out of balance. And so you want to like get your microbiome into this like into a good shape. And it's not just popping a pill of uh, probiotics. It's much deeper than that. That is a series of episodes (laughs) in and of themselves. But just know that a lot of the hormone production in your body is actually regulated by your gut. So if your gut's out of balance, your Mm -hmm. hormones are going to be out of balance. Absolutely. So yeah, that's a deep subject. But just know that, that in the modern lifestyle, all these processed foods and foods that are loaded with um, hormone-mimicking substances and things will completely throw your gut and your hormones out mm-hmm. of whack. Yeah. And then you want to also maybe change the way you do sex and change your sexual routine, you know, because sometimes you're stuck in a rut, sex has become awful and stuff, and it's like removing the destination and increasing the connection, the intimacy, that through these different type of behaviors will help generate different hormones too. And then just seek a health professional, somebody who knows beyond just a regular doctor, somebody like a naturopath or somebody who has more of an allopathic like... Um, th- background. Th- Somebody background, that yes. really understands. What what you want to avoid is going to a practitioner who's just going to prescribe a pill to you mm-hmm. and say, go on your merry way. This will fix everything. Because one thing that you should probably have learned by now, if you've listened to us for any length of time, if you've taken any of our courses, 
we do not believe in quick fix, you know, take the magic pill and everything's going to be better. Why? Because it never works. Mm -hmm. And there's tons of science to prove that. What it really takes is long-term commitment to changing your lifestyle. That's how any real change happens. It doesn't matter if you want to lose weight, you want to fix your gut, you want to get a better sex life, you want to last longer in the bedroom. You need to make specific changes over a period of time. You literally have to change your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's your habits. It's the way you do things every day that is going to retrain your body and actually solve your problem. No quick fix pill is going to do that ever for anything. A holistic approach. That's what we support. So we hope that this was helpful. This was a longer episode, uh, but it was really dense. Maybe you should listen to it again, especially parts of it. Talk about it with your partner and start to pay attention, start to track, start to see the patterns and make small changes. Yeah, and feel free. We mentioned a lot of resources, different mm -hmm. authors and scientists and stuff. Feel free to dive deeper into their work because mm -hmm. they go way deeper into all this stuff. They give you all the background and the research and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. It's fascinating. And especially if you're somebody who who's been struggling with having your hormones out of balance, this could radically change your life. Yes. Radically change your life. So all the links will be in the comments and don't wait, start now. <laughs> all right, everybody, that is all the time we have this week and we will see you next week. We hope you liked this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoyed this show, leave a comment and share it with your friends. And if you want more, we have an entire digital library with the best sex tips and relationship advice at CelineRemy.com. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y.com. So join us in the sex vault to continue this adventure. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.